0: I have taken more of an active role because I am a little bit more interested. I do kind of care what the wedding looks like. I feel like, you know, you only get married once, I I hope. And uh, (laughs) I want it to be special and I want it to be memorable. And I think the fact that we are making a lot of decisions, me and Uma together, it's also helping our relationship grow as well. Because I think you can ask a married couple who've been married for 30 years and they'll say that their relationship continues to grow. And that's obviously what we would want as well.
1: And welcome to another episode of the Business of Weddings podcast. As always, I'll be taking you on a journey alongside some special guests to uncover what's happening on the wedding scene. If you're tuned in for the very first time, then here's a quick introduction for your benefit. I'm Mira Majithia, wedding planner, bridal coach, author, and the founder of Carriages Weddings and Events. I'm also your host for this season and incredibly grateful to have your company. If you follow my work, then you'll know I talk about brides a lot like seriously a lot. Don't get me wrong, I work with both brides and grooms and actually I'm really looking forward to this episode for this very reason. You see, this month we are talking all about the modern couple and basically the rise of the grooms. That's right, this episode is dedicated to the men who are owning their groom status, taking a keen interest in planning, sometimes even the lead, and forcing us suppliers to rethink our marketing strategies and offerings. Today, I'm joined by two guests, Siobhan Popat, who's actually a groom himself, and Amit Lamber, the director of Laguna, who's been working in the industry for roughly 20 years. Together with their help, you're going to be able to understand exactly what's going through a groom's mind and how this affects us as suppliers. Now, of course, we're all aware that grooms have been involved in the planning process for a while now. And there are definitely a few areas where they really come to the forefront and like to take control. That's my guess what will tell you. But this is just the beginning. You're about to learn a whole lot more.
0: I've definitely got a couple of friends who are only really interested in the reception. They kind of want their say in the reception. So they'll say, I don't know, they want certain premium brands of alcohol or they want a certain number of people or they want a certain DJ? You know, unsurprisingly,
2: even the groom who has done absolutely nothing this whole time suddenly steps up when questions about the bar or the alcohol supply start to pop up, basically. So I think the bar and alcohol supply, that is groom territory. And then after that, I think the grooms do prefer to be the main point of contact for the DJ and the car hire companies as well.
1: So let's dive a little deeper into Siobhan's story, which is actually a little unusual. He's having a destination wedding, which, as you know, takes planning to a whole other level. But what's particularly interesting about this is how he and his fiance came to decide on the wedding location in the first place.
0: We're getting married in Athens in Greece. I met Uma there. So when it came to the wedding planning, we kind of said, well, why don't we get married in Greece? It'd be really nice to do a destination wedding.
1: And was it like, you know, one of you suggesting let's have a destination wedding or did both of you have the same idea? Like how how did you find that process of just choosing where to get married?
0: Uh, yeah, no, it was, I think it was mainly me who was saying let's do it abroad. Uh, uh, Uma was suggesting a couple of venues that she really liked in, in the UK. I think it's kind of like that uh, bride always kind of visions at her wedding kind of thing at these venues that she's basically studied probably before she even met me. I've got more experience going to other people's destination weddings. I've been to, uh, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but I've been to quite a few. Whereas, you know, I think Uma's family have, uh, generally majority of them, been married in the UK. So I thought this might be a nice experience. It, it depends how it's done, but I know that like some of the best weddings and ones that I've enjoyed the most have actually been the ones I've been away because you actually get a holiday out of it.
1: Having worked with so many brides, I know that many of them have grown up dreaming about the type of wedding they'll have, what they'll be wearing and which venue they want to book. So it's fascinating to hear of a groom share his opinion and not only bring an idea to the table but persuade the bride of giving up this childhood dream and go for something completely different. Now, I'm in no way suggesting that there was any kind of manipulation involved. In fact, from my conversation with Siobhan, I know that it was an absolute joint decision and we'll go on to hear some more about their planning process. But choosing your venue and location is one of the biggest decisions that you make when planning a wedding. And to see a groom play such a major part in this is genuinely quite refreshing.
2: It's actually not very uh, surprising at all if the groom is the lead organiser of the wedding. Uh, I mean, although the trend, we have probably noticed it maybe eight or ten years ago, but I think it's mainly the last two to four years or so where it's really taken off. Where, yeah, it's absolutely, we have lots and lots of clients where, uh, and in many, many cases, we haven't even actually spoken to the bride um but this mainly in terms of venue and catering itself anyway perhaps it does make it easier bearing in mind if there's one person talking and perhaps the bride still has of course the questions but just relaying it on to the groom to actually ask itself anyway but but yes absolutely uh, these days it's actually not surprising at all like i said that if the groom is our main point of contact for for the wedding or or a lot of aspects of that wedding as well
1: We're now beginning to build a clear picture of the involvement of grooms in the planning process. They are definitely more hands-on, not necessarily taking the lead, but more involved than they have been up until very recently. And if you're anything like me, then I'm sure you're quite curious to know why this is the case. Because if we can figure out that, then we can figure out whether or not this is just a phase with grooms soon taking a back seat again, or whether this is a trend that's only about to get bigger. Because if it's the latter, then we definitely need to take notice because as suppliers, it's actually going to affect us.
2: Over the years, there's been a significant change in the amount of time uh, spent on the wedding planning by the groom. Uh, It's probably safe to say overall that the bride still takes the lead on majority of the wedding planning. But the grooms have come a long way and they are very much catching up as well. Um, I mean, we can see the trend quite clearly when, you know, when we've been in the business for so many decades. um, And there's been a change in culture that has influenced this as well. And the other major change is also the perception of wedding planning. It's no longer seen as the big day, as solely the bride's responsibility to create. But it's more and more, you know, over the years, has changed as more as a couple's um, responsibility to actually create that final day.
1: So there was a time when the main point of contact would be the parents, but there has been a shift to couples taking over. How has this happened exactly? Well, traditionally, weddings were paid for by the bride's family, which is no longer the case. We are seeing couples either pay for the wedding themselves in its entirety, or we are seeing families split the cost 50-50. What this means is that the bride and her family are no longer fully responsible for what happens on the day and nor do they really have the right to choose things solely according to their desire if they're only contributing 50%. So wedding planning has naturally evolved into a collective effort where the groom has had to take an interest either willingly or unwillingly because the groom is also responsible for 50% of the guest list, 50% of the payment and well, you know, honestly... 50% 50% of the relationship.
2: Parents would be the main point of contact. That shifted towards the brides and now it's a bride and groom pretty much equally as well. You'll notice it when one of the first wedding steps is to create a joint email address, you know, where straight away that encourages both the bride and groom to be working together for this. And um, But yes, you know, the culture has changed over even Uh, over three decades of us being in business as well. So in many, many aspects of life, you know, there's a lot of equality and the wedding planning is just one aspect of that.
1: Hand on heart, I don't think a monetary contribution is a big enough reason for groups to get involved because honestly, if they really wanted, they could leave the planning up to other family members or the bride. What's actually becoming more apparent is that we're encountering more and more modern couples Their relationship is built on equality and partnership. They're shunning the ideas of traditional roles where the man is the breadwinner and the woman is the carer. Though there's nothing wrong with these roles, or the reversal of these roles, these couples believe the best way to navigate their relationship is side by side, where they both work together to build something that's unique to them. And where better to showcase this than right at the start of their official union, which is, of course, when they start to plan their wedding.
0: I have taken more of an active role because I am a little bit more interested. I do kind of care what the wedding looks like. I feel like, you know, you only get married once, well, I, I hope. And uh, <laughs> I want it to be special and I want it to be memorable. And I think the fact that we are making a lot of decisions, me and Uma together, it's also helping our relationship grow as well. Because I think you can ask a married couple who've been married for 30 years and they'll say that their relationship continues to grow. And that, that's obviously what we all want as well. So... I think seeing stuff that, you know, we like, may not like, it's definitely difficult when one of us wants one thing and the other wants another. We have come across that.
1: How do you deal with that situation? What do you do?
0: I think we've got to find a balance. We both sit down and talk about the pros and cons. So, for example, we have a welcome slash mendy party and I said to her, I, I don't really want to encourage our guests to all wear Indians because... I feel like we've got three official events abroad and it's just like, I don't want you to be wearing two of them Indian and one of them just like a black tie. Like, I think it would be, it would feel nicer because we are on holiday. It is a bit different, right? So I think it'll be a bit nicer if we can do more of kind of a smart, casual look. But Uma was very keen on the Indian and she even had outfits in mind. And she was basically saying that's actually, you know, it is a Mendy party too. It's got to go with the theme. So she made all these valid points. So we both kind of had to come to a conclusion that we thought was reasonably fair and she said to me, like, look, boys generally, you know, they much rather wear like a chinos and shirts or like a smart casual feel. But ladies generally tend to enjoy dressing up for the occasion. So it can actually be nicer for the ladies to dress up. So I mean, she she explained that quite well and she made me see that kind of point of view. So I think in the end we we will kind of go more on that the slight Indian feel, but not like too extreme, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, we're kind of finding that balance in between.
1: This is a beautiful illustration of how modern couples are working together to plan their wedding. They recognize each other's needs and wants and value fairness. No one's trying to outdo the other or manipulate the other into getting what they want, and rightly so, because that's not a healthy foundation to build your relationship on. Instead, their understanding of and willing to see each other's views and make sure that the other is comfortable with any decision that is made. This, to me, is a sign of real maturity and leads nicely on to our next point, which is the fact that individuals are getting married later on in life. With more life experience behind them, these couples have more understanding of not just the way the world works, but they have more understanding of themselves and their own needs and wants something that I know many couples from previous generations didn't always have the luxury of knowing or feeling because they were barely out of education when they tied the knot. So this to me is a real turning point when we think about the ways weddings are now planned.
0: I naturally am fairly organised, I'd say. Even when we were younger, I think like if I ever had a party, I'd plan the party, host it. I'd kind of know how much food to order, how much drink to order whether it's parking issues even if we go on like group holidays with friends I tend to be the one who's taking a bit more of a leadership role not necessarily doing everything but taking a leadership role and if it may be like delegating tasks to a few people without stressing them out too much then that's something that we do but generally I would uh, uh, this has always been a bit of something that's in my blood really
1: yeah. And did you like find it strange when your friends were getting married okay. and they perhaps weren't taking so much of an interest the way you are in terms of planning?
0: No, they, 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 I did not find it strange in the slightest. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're my friends. I know what they're like. But then yeah. that's probably why it works out our friendship, because when it comes to us guys going on holiday, for example, then, you know, I'll probably just take the lead. And, you know, and then everyone's kind of happy at the end of it, really, it, it, provided I don't mess up. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Overall, there are three key reasons behind grooms getting more involved with wedding planning. The first is the shift of the planning responsibility, which has moved away from the bride's side and is now something both families are taking charge of. The second is the idea of modern couples who believe in equality. And the third is the fact that these modern couples have more life experience behind them, and therefore they have the confidence to plan things themselves. They're older, wiser and no longer have to rely on parents to make decisions for them. So it's fair to say that now that we know this, these things aren't going to change, which means it's likely that grooms will not only remain involved, but quite possibly start to get more involved in the planning process as time goes by. The big question then is, what does this mean for us suppliers?
2: Grooms prefer something that's a little bit, they they like to make the decision a lot faster. So to be able to make a decision faster, we need to make sure that whatever we kind of tell them, it's a bit more concise, a bit more clear itself anyway. Uh, yeah, if you give a groom typically too many options and too many things,
0: then that doesn't work. But a bride prefers lots of options, for example. Choosing suppliers, supplies, I think five was our magic number. So we'd always ask, like, I don't know, respect to five wedding planners, respect to five venues. We spoke to five photographers, five videographers. I think Uma's hired a makeup artist. I only spoke to one kind of stylist, which is my barber, because I don't need to go to anyone else. Things like that was generally five was our magic number.
1: Having a clear systematic approach, like just looking at five suppliers, really reinforces this idea that grooms prefer to have something more concise, which is something that we do hear from Amit. With my own personal experience, this is one of the reasons I try to limit my recommendations down to three, and I don't forward on too many options all at once. I mean, there are always exceptions to the rule, but this is generally how I like to work. But I do often find that brides do like to have the options for them. Their research on a particular area doesn't just stop once they found a supplier they like. They will quite often continue to analyse, over-analyse, and research different looks or ways of doing things. There's nothing wrong with this, but it's just a different approach. The groom, who will more often than not prefer to move on to the next phase once he knows he likes something or someone, which is to focus on the paperwork to really get things confirmed and completed.
0: You do look at the price, obviously. I think the price is normally the first point you want. Sometimes when you get given a quotation, let's say it's, I don't know, four or five pages long because they're really explaining like in detail what they're going to be doing, you might kind of like just uh, – not. I was never really tempted to just scroll at the bottom look at their price because you really want to understand. First thing I do is I actually read it from top to bottom. So I, I can't say that for other people, but I read it top to bottom because I really want to get a good understanding – what they're offering, what they're not offering. But when you're reading other people's quotations and you're comparing them, you say, actually, this one said that they're going to do activity X in addition to activity Y or whatever it is, right? So it's really got you thinking like, oh, actually, I like the sound of this person, but they, they haven't included this and they haven't included that. And then you kind of like follow up with them and say like, look, you know, can you add item X and can you add item Y? To the quotation and then, then aside from that, we really like we'd like to kind of go ahead with you.
1: This insight from Siobhan is very useful for us as suppliers. We need to take this and see what we can do with it. His attention to detail with the paperwork is worth noting. How detailed are your quotes? Do you have an FAQ section? Are your packages negotiable? Do you get on a call to talk it through? These are all important things to think about. I've often found that the contracting stage and the payments are where grooms do heavily get involved, even when they're not being too active in wedding planning. Even if they're not going to be the primary decision makers about what each supplier is providing, they are very much equal decision makers in who they will be working with. If, for example, a bride is absolutely in love with a particular photographer, but a groom just isn't gelling with him or her, then chances are that the booking will not be going ahead. This is why I feel it's extremely important to try and include both the bride and groom in all of your communication, at least prior to the sale. Get them on a call. I generally do consultations with both. And where that's not possible, I do like to ask a few questions about the groom just so that I know what to anticipate.
2: It's imperative that the supplier... Does take into account you know the the thinking process of the bride and the thinking process of the groom as well. You know, like I said, the grooms always prefer a much more faster decision, and to be able to make a faster decision, it still needs to be a very well-informed decision as well. So, you know, when they're sending quotations or packages or explaining our services to make it as concise as possible, but also detailed enough that when the bride is talking or reading or going through it as well, that it, it, it's what she is expecting or along the lines of how she will be processing it as well.
1: We've looked at this idea of keeping an open channel of communication and providing grooms with enough information but not overwhelming them in order for them to make a speedy decision. But something else we should be thinking about is what happens prior to this. Where are these grooms turning in order to find their suppliers and what are they looking for? The rise of social media is definitely a big factor for suppliers By being present on social media, we as suppliers are already in an environment where the grooms are present. It's not just the brides that are looking at your profile. Yes, I'll say probably a good 80% of my engagement comes from brides, but I do have grooms following me too, and I'm consciously aware of this. So messaging is key.
0: There's more available to us than what was available, say, six, seven years ago, because I'm literally able to study majority of my suppliers through social media, looking at their Instagram, looking at the work that they've done. Your social media is kind of like a CV nowadays, isn't it? So I'm looking at the work they've done, look at the way the responses they're getting. So there's more people kind of sitting on their phones. I think maybe it's happened more in the last year because... With the the pandemic and lockdown, people have been forced to stay at home a lot more than they probably would have liked, which has kind of forced them to spend more time on social media. And then spending more time on social media, what they're looking at, obviously varies from person to person. But because you have this available information, it's not the same thing as a website, because a website, you really kind of got to look for it, if that makes sense, right? You're not going to just find these people. Some people's websites are literally just their name. So it's like, how are you going to find it? When it comes to our branding, I mean, yeah, because we have such a
2: fifty-fifty split example, our branding is very neutral towards both. We we have a company color scheme of grey and copper, for example, which, you know, isn't too feminine as well, but you know, would appeal generally to both the bride and to the groom as well. So I think it is very important that the company branding and how we lay things out and how we explain things should be able to, you know, a guy and a girl, you know, have different ways of understanding certain things. So yes, absolutely. It's very, very important that we take these kind of things into account.
1: It's clear that branding has a big part to play for grooms, but I'm not just talking about the colours of your company brand. I'm talking about your own personal brand. How do you come across Do you appeal to grooms? Are you transparent with your offerings? Are you easily accessible? While it might be a slight generalisation, I think it's clear that a lot of grooms would love to find their suppliers with a click of a button. Simple things can make a huge difference. For example, can they easily find your contact details or email address from your social media accounts? Do you reply to private messages? Can they find you on Google? Is your website mobile friendly? These small things can make a difference and digital visibility is something we discussed in one of our previous episodes, so do head back and take a listen. One thing is for sure, we've discovered grooms aren't going anywhere. They are here to stay and will only start to get more involved with the decision-making process. You have the information, all that's left is for you to decide what you do with it.
2: If you're stuck with a situation where the groom isn't getting too involved, you know, just bear in mind, if you ask a groom what flowers he prefers for a centrepiece, you're not going to get that far. But if you were to say, how about lilies or roses, for example, then you know it will encourage involvement as well. But these days, uh, I think that issue of lack of involvement from grooms, it probably is, isn't the case at all. You know, the grooms are pretty much enjoying the wedding planning as much as uh, the brides.
1: Yeah, or more so in some cases. More so as well.
2: <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Now to Vow. We make it easy for couples to find and book suppliers for their Indian wedding. If you're in the industry, you can list your service on our platform at no cost. Head over to now to to get started. The Business of Weddings is a monthly podcast we preview the episodes on Instagram Live on the third Friday of every month. Follow us at now underscore to underscore vow and join the discussion. Subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes before anyone else. And if you've enjoyed listening to it, please leave us a review so we can reach more people. See you next month.